Good morning. This morning's reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. You can find that in page 939 in the Pewback Bibles in front of you. Romans 1, 5 through 7. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to King's Cross. We are um, happily in the third week of um, the book of Romans. And we, we have a, a journaling Romans book. If you've not got one of those, you've maybe missed weather, sickness, all those things. There's, there's some extra copies that are back on the welcome desk. So feel free to, to swing by there and grab one of those. Um, I think there's, there's several that are left there. Um, so, so good to be in this book with you and so good to be traveling through it. And if you're like, hey, did we like, I, I feel like the scripture readers like starting to check every week. Are we in five to seven? I thought we preached that last week. Um, so like if you're, if you're wondering that, like Romans is so deep and it's so full of goodness. So you might experience like we're, we're over several verses one week and then the next week we just take one of those because there's a beautiful deep message there that we want to bring out also. So it's not like we're forgetting or something. So um, just, just a word to that. Um, when I was a teenager, um, there was no such thing as an energy drink. So I know that dates me a little bit. Some of you are like, wow, that's, I don't know what I would do without that. Um, <laughs> now, I think you could drink coffee, and I did even as a, a young person, but I don't think good coffee was invented to the 2000s. So, um, <laughs> but we did have something called Mountain Dew, um, which originally was a mixer for whiskey, um, much like Sprite. And uh, when it first came out, it was marketed for hillbillies. So if you're, if you're a little older than me, Mountain Dew wasn't cool at all. Um, I, I remember seeing phrases like, it'll tickle your innards and Mountain Dew will do it for you. Like, and so they ditched this hillbilly, um, I believe his name was Willie the Hillbilly. Um, they ditched him for a younger audience and they made it green and they put a ton of caffeine in it. And that was good for me um, because I had a scientific process um, of every hour of sleep that I lost, um, I would drink one Mountain Dew. It's like, it was just one for one and um, I loved it. I drank one Mountain Dew. I depended on this beverage for much of my teenage life. It literally fueled my existence, my work, my study, my play. Um, I had a Mountain Dew with me almost all the time and it was amazing that I survived that season. Now I want you to think of how silly that is, yet it is very true 
Like, I'm not making a sermon illustration here. It was so true. How silly is this that a beverage could have, I could have this sort of a relationship, this ongoing, everyday, like I had to plan money and time and in my life around when I would be able to get this next beverage. Um, Today, I try to keep soda consumption to a minimum. Uh, I do drink a good amount of coffee. Um, In fact, I I had to go out during worship and get another cup of coffee just so I could work through some of the like winter mess that's upon me right now. And um, here's the reality, like I drink a lot of coffee. In fact, uh, over Christmas break, I went to the coffee pot and I was pouring a cup of coffee and my daughter came in the, the kitchen and she raised her eyebrow disapproving of me. And she's like, that's your second cup of coffee. And I said, well, it's my third, and I plan on drinking the whole pot today. (laughs) So we just, our roles are switching a little bit, I think, as she becomes an adult. Um, Hey, like, this isn't nutrition class. Like, soda's bad for you. I believe in the benefits of some coffee. Um, But my question today for us is if that can be a reality, that that there's this physical relationship with our health and what we consume and what we put into our body that, that, that we need to consider in this passage today about God's grace, that there's a relationship with what you consume emotionally, what, like what you experience and what you take in emotionally. And there's a, there's a reality to our consumption spiritually. And, and I think what Paul's going to try to help us see today is that grace should be that thing that we have this relationship with, this spiritual nutritional relationship with. And, 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 and rather than putting all this processed junk in our bodies and all these other things that are sort of lesser that causes our bodies to break down, that, that grace is the thing that, that, that fuels your existence in your relationship with God. And so we're going to look at this sort of multiple faceted way that God makes you most alive as a Christian and like where you've been maybe even starving yourself a little bit um, by the grace of God, which leads to terrible consequences in our lives. And so that's what we're going to look at. Um, it's, it's amazing to me that, that we as Christians sometimes can experience the saving power of God's grace. We can experience the saving power of God's grace in Jesus Christ and then live a life that is void of the same grace. Like that's amazing and, and terrible. And so, so that's what we want to do today in this passage as Paul's beginning this long letter and this work that he's going to do for maturity. So let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you and Lord, we thank you for this letter to the Romans. And as we continue in this beginning place of the letter, like I already feel the blessings and the benefits of Paul's ministry to the church in Rome. I'm I'm filled with a lot of thankfulness today and like gratitude for this ministry and, and how you worked through your apostles and, and just the blessing it is that we actually have these words in 
And so thank you for that, Lord. Today, as we talk about the grace that Paul received, fuel us with that very same grace today. I'm, I'm tired of my brain always forgetting grace. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of suffering from it personally. I'm tired of others around me suffering from that. And so, Lord, we ask you to conform our minds to the power of grace and draw us into the warmth of its fire. Awaken us, Lord, to its undeniable power and presence in the life of every believer in Christ. Awaken all those who do not know you to experience the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. God, would you create... Um, would you create in us a hunger and then would you satisfy it with grace? And help, Lord, help me to share in a way that pleases you and glorifies you. And all God's people said, amen. So let's look at chapter 1, verse 5. And, um, and, and, and Paul is just finishing the idea of talking about the gospel, that it is a person as much as it is a set of doctrines and rules, that it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. It's him crucified. He's resurrected. And it's Jesus. And so that's in view as we begin verse 5 as he's saying, this Jesus who was resurrected, who's alive, that we serve through him, verse 5, through whom whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the, and here's the mission, obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. Okay, so we, we talked about the man, the message, the mission uh, a few weeks back. And so this is like, I want us to focus though on that first phrase of five. Paul says two things. He says, we've received grace and we've received apostleship. We've received grace and we've received apostleship. Grace, which in the simplest way that we can define it, is God's unmerited favor towards us. It's God's unmerited favor. You, it's what you, you get what you haven't earned, right? Like that's what it means. Now, mercy is very closely connected. I think I've heard like before like mercy and grace are, are sort of um, siblings. Mercy is you don't get what you deserved, but you, in, in grace, you get what you didn't earn, right? Like so, but I, I don't think you can really separate them. And so that's what he's saying. We've received this. We've received what we were just not going to get. None of us were going to get this. And he's talking about his apostleship or the calling and the office of his life, that, that, that an apostle is somebody who Jesus calls to start churches and to strengthen churches, to establish doctrine. And, and, and so we believe that the capital A apostles were, were the ones that Jesus knew and chose, Paul, the least of them. And there aren't apostles today, not capital A, maybe like small a, right? Like people who do church planting and apostolic work. So, but, but he's, he's like, this is the work that God's given me. And we've received grace. We've received grace. And I want to talk about this grace today, this, 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 this grace that he's received, because I think it's pretty easy just to hear that and think, well, God saved Paul, and now he's an apostle. I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about the grace of God. And there's sort of three ways that, that we can do that. The first way is that the grace that Paul has received is grace 
unto salvation. So, so it's grace for faith, like God's given him grace. We're saved by grace through faith. If it weren't for grace, you would not be saved, right? You would not be saved. You'd still be in your sin. You would still be without the presence of God, without the, the filling of the Spirit. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 3, we're going to see in a little bit. And are, we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption of Christ Jesus. This, this saving grace, this like my lot was cast, I chose rebellion, and God showed me his beauty and saved me by grace, like that causes a worship, it causes this eruption, it caused John Newton to pin the, the words of amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And the beauty of being saved, the, be, the beauty of saving grace is that even the ability for us to believe in Jesus is given to us. Where we, we would not believe on our own, God saves sinners. And, and, and God showed his love and the Holy Spirit washes our heart with faith. Like my, my sort of own experience wasn't somebody who was seeking and trying to find God and through my intellect and through my, my earnest desire to pursue God, I found Jesus as the solution. That, that was not my experience at all. My experience was um, the hounds of heaven pursued me to the point of my end and God's spirit washed my heart, scales fell off my eyes so I could see that my need for a savior because my sin's so great and that God sent Jesus to be that savior and that the words there is there now for no condemnation shot across my heart and transformed me by grace. That's my, that's my own experience. But we don't want to sell grace short, even though that's the most amazing thing. If that's all grace was, hallelujah. We have an eternity to praise God and worship about his grace forever. But it's not the only thing about grace. It's not the only thing. Paul's receiving of grace in this moment and sharing it with this church is, is not to, to sell it short. Um, we, we, one time my, um, my roommate, his car broke down. We were heading back to the house and, and um, his car broke down and like, we're gonna have to get a tow. And I was like, man, it's, you know, it's kind of cold out. And he, he, we put a tire in between and like, I, I put my truck up and I just sort of pushed him the rest of the way. And we made it to, to his house, right? Like I pushed him into the drive. Like I, sometimes we just think of that as our life with grace. Like we were kind of like good people. We were sort of almost there and we just needed a little push. That's, that's not what happened when God saved you. You didn't, you weren't almost there. You weren't just pretty good. You didn't just almost make it. You just needed a little push to get the rest of the way. 
You were dead in a ditch, blind. You were blind, you were deaf, you were lost, you were dead. And he came and he picked you up and he, and he made you alive and he made you see. Like he got you the whole journey. Like that, that's what he did in, through grace. And so if that is grace, it's amazing grace. It's amazing grace if that's it. But we don't want to sell grace short here alone because there's another facet to grace and that's grace unto sanctification grace unto sanctification and this type of grace um, it's the very same grace but it not only does it save you but 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 it is saving you from the power and presence of sin it's moving you to obedience in Christ which is Paul's mission right like so he's saying I'm receiving I've received this grace and this grace is going to help my apostleship to bring about obedience in the church. That's what this grace is for. Consider 2 Peter 3.18 with me. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. So we're growing in the grace of, and knowledge of our Lord. There's a, a kind of grace, experience of grace, that we experience as a Christian continuously. So as you live your life, the Christian will encounter many trials. The devil will oppose you regularly and bring trials into your life and, and situations. And God will show you mercy and he will sustain you. And, and even where it's your fault, like you've made bad decisions, you've messed up, like um, the grace means that like God's gonna take what the devil means to harm you and he's actually gonna turn it for your good. Like that's what redemption is. That's what redeeming grace is, is that, that, that even the impact and effects of our sin, like God turns for his glory. And so there's this process of which sin and and, and the struggle of life, like that we grow in this grace, grace unto sanctification. Hebrews chapter 4, 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, that's not, man, it's not just like, man, we experienced God's grace. That's awesome. We've been saved. But, but, but what the writer of Hebrews is saying is like, hey, when you're in just the normal stuff of your life and you're struggling and you're looking to grow and you're, you're in a situation, it's like that, that same grace is going to be your rescue in that moment. That same mercy, that same love from God like that. And it says to draw near to the throne. So grace never stops. It never stops. So much so that God calls the throne of Jesus the throne of grace. 2 Timothy chapter 2, you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not just like, hey, be saved by the grace, but be strengthened that your everyday walk is, is, is linked to the reality of Christ's grace. And unfortunately, many in churches receive God's grace, 
but for various reasons do not grow in such grace. Do not grow in such grace. And the result is that we needlessly miss out on God's blessings. That's the result. I needlessly miss out on God's blessings in his favor, in his love in my life. And God wants to bestow on you the benefits and the favor and the blessing of you being his child and you being a part of his family and his love being shine upon you. Like he wants to, you to experience that, not just to be baptized and, and have grace in view of eternity, or, or grace in view of what is behind us, but in the very now, in the present day. So how do we grow in this grace? How do, we, how, do, how do believers grow in grace? Well, it would be nice that we just like matured automatically, right? Just like, just like as you're saved, you're, there is a moment in which you are saved, right? God can draw us over time. Um, I know for me, as I think back of the weeks and days um, and, and seasons before God saved me, now I can see, oh, that God was drawing me. He was working in me. And, and like, I, I thought that that was something else or just me. And I'm like, oh no, I can actually see God at work there. But then there was a day of my salvation. And, and growing in grace as the Christian, grace unto sanctification, is, it's a process. It's a whole life project. That's what it is. And so um, with that, that's the reality as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Paul said to the Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so there, there's this also this idea that Paul's like, hey, you take an active role in that. Like you take an active role in the grace of God to mature you over time. It requires your engagement, but God's doing the heavy lifting. He's doing the transformative work, but it takes our actual engagement the, the, there are what we call the means of grace. But that's how we grow is by practicing and giving ourselves to the means of grace. Like the way that we grow. Acts chapter 2 tells us a lot about that in verse 42. It says that after like thousands of people come to Christ, right? Thousands, literally 3,000 people come to Jesus. What do they do now with this saving grace? They, do they sing Amazing Grace every day and just like, you know, stare at each other with smiles? Like, no, they, they went and lived their lives and that was hard. And so Acts chapter 2 says this is the means of grace that, that was witnessed. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. God's given you all these means of grace, his word is a primary means of transformation, that your mind's conformed um, to, the, to the knowledge of God. Worship, that your heart and your affections and your desires find their vertical eventuality, like worship, community, fellowship amongst brothers and sisters who are going to be a pain in the neck, and you're going to have to work through that. And you're going to get wisdom from people that you don't have without them. Like, the, there's all of these means of grace 
in the church um, that God set before us. And to grow in sanctification, grace unto sanctification, is to practice these things. And the, the truly mature and godly have the most sensitive awareness of their own sins. And that, that they, they're the humblest before God. Like they, and, and they know, hey, I, I need to grow. Like I need to confess my sins as a means of grace. I need to grow in this. And that grace matures us. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that the ultimate test of our spirituality is the measure of our amazement at the grace of God. It's the ultimate test. It's not how much you know, it's not what you do. It's like putting God's grace and the awe of what he's done into your real life and living that way, living that way. That's grace unto sanctification. And, and there's, there's another facet of grace that, that, that we can encounter today, and that's grace to fulfill the mission. And, and that's done in minutes, and it's done in, in, in days and in seasons. Like, that's, it's the grace of God to fulfill the mission of God. And so Paul was an apostle, and he received grace for that work. And, and, and I have some similar similarities to what, what Paul was called to. And then I have some things that are just different than what Paul was called to. Like that's the reality is that like you, in your life, God has set before you um, a mission. And, and that mission is connected to God's redemptive mission in this earth. That's what our form class um, is going to be next week, um, that we're going to talk about like God's redemptive missions happening. And then we have a story that's unfolding and we have a calling and a mission, mission and, and, and ours is caught up in God's mission. And so we have our part to play and, he, and there's a grace to fulfill that. And, and it's not like Paul's saying, I have a grace to fulfill my apostleship and only apostles get grace, right? That's not what he's saying. Like that we've received this grace of God. Consider 1 Corinthians 15. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. So you see, like he has an understanding of his work. He works hard at his work and he sees and he's still in love and still in awe with the grace of God. And he knows that it's God's grace that's, that's, that's causing him to do this and filling up his time. Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. All grace abound to you. So if you if you if you are if you are tempted to think sitting there that Paul has this really important thing and Pastor Orion has this really important thing, my thing's not that important, right? Like he's he, what Paul's saying. He's he's able to make all the grace abound to you. That what God's called you to is just as important as the person next to you. Like your journey, your path, your, that is important work that should be worship to God. If you're living by the grace of God for mission, for your daily work. And God's able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency 
in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So I don't know how you think about that or what your experience is every day of the Christian life. Like it should be relating to God on the basis of grace. That's what it should be. And relating to the world around us and the work before us. Relating to myself internally, emotionally, spiritually, my maturity, like by grace. Relating to the people around me by grace. Relating to the work in front of me by grace. Don't think of grace as just God's emotion to us or God's tool to make you more mature. It's also just power. It's power. That's what grace is. It's, it's all his power coming into your life and causing you to do excellently what he's called you to do. Verse 6 says, including you who are called to belong to Christ. So it's not just Paul that's received it, but it's you too that have been called. Your greatest calling in life is to belong to God. It's to belong to him. Grace is how we belong to God. It's why we could. It's how we continue in it. And it's how we belong to what God's doing currently on his mission. Paul said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And he, he tells Timothy at one time that the calling that you've received, it's a holy calling. That God's set you apart from the rest of the world to be his person, his priest, his ambassador, his son, his daughter on this earth. He set you apart. You need to experience this grace and belong to Jesus. Like when we get this, this like multiple faceted grace, that's like when we get that, when we live that way, that's what it looks like to belong to God, to live a life that belongs to him. And so the question is, is have you experienced that in your life? And do you want to experience that in your life? In what ways maybe that, 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 that you would say out of those three things that you sort of struggle with and like you need, you need something from the Lord this morning to belong to him more in those areas. And this, this last six and seven here in these verses is really like a song, it's a poem. I love, um, I love the, the, the way that Romans is written, and, and I really love how this, um, this version writes out certain places, because um, what I can tell from sometimes with the, with the version of ESV as we're reading it is I can tell this is a song. I'm just reading, and all of a sudden I feel like, man, like this is, feels like a poem. It's, it, it feels like he's writing and then it's like a musical. He just bursts into song, you know, like he's like, oh, I'm writing about God's grace. And then all of a sudden I'm sort of carried away. And a lot of commentators think that this was maybe a song or a poem or some sort of um, confession or something that they read in the early church that's now been lost. All you who belong are called to belong to Jesus. To all those who are in Rome, are, who are loved by God and called to be his saints. Grace to you. Grace to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's, a, it's sort of this song of celebration and worship for God's grace. That it just keeps coming. Your whole life. 
It continues to get better and it continues to get better and it continues to, to change your existence, reroute your identity, give you new purpose. Like, like he's just singing this song and there's this reflection even in the words where um, that, that, that you can see that, that, the, that some of the words point to Israel. You see, they were God's called people. But the thing that marks this passage is that they were called to belong to God, but refused to do so. They refused to do so. And so, so what had to happen is like Paul's profound understanding of grace and history in this moment is to say that God had to do something that we could not do. And he had to send his son, Jesus, to, to live a perfect life, to, to completely belong to God in his life, set apart and holy, and to become the perfect sacrifice for you who is not those things on your own. And, and, and to, to be raised from the dead, crushing death and sin and its power over you. And to be, to be raised and ascended to the throne of God to send his spirit so that, so that he could preach grace. He could preach the gospel and that we could be changed. It's, it's beautiful that, that we see this sort of reflection in the final poem here. Let us not be those who have been called by God, but refuse to belong to him. Embracing grace is how we make that real. There's um, three things that I um, just wanna point out to us as, as we finish up this sermon this morning and go to that pile of donuts in the basement. Um, three things. One, one is that grace is what Jesus came to give us. Um, it's what he died to give us. Um, it's why he arose again. It's why the Holy Spirit filled the church. Um, if you want more of Jesus, you need more grace. You need to experience more of God's grace. So to love Jesus is to know grace and to live for Jesus is to live by grace. Grace is all about Jesus. I just want you to know that like as we move through the book of Romans. Number two, the presence of grace in our lives, the presence of grace in our lives is the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not that you understand a theological infrastructure. I want you to understand the presence of grace in your life is the presence of the Holy Spirit. To experience grace in this moment is to experience the present spirit of God. So all the grace that I experience in my life is to experience the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. That, that changes how we think about grace. That it's not just an affection, it's not just an emotion, it's not just a, a mental thought or a scent or something that we offer, you know, from our inside. No, I want to give you grace. I, if I give you grace, what I'm saying theologically is that I'm offering you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Like that, that's what I want you to, 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 to think about is that the, if you are experiencing God's grace, then you're experiencing the present work of God's Spirit. 
I wish that we could have um, sort of like a mood ring that, that showed when God's grace is active in our life, right? Like, the, the, like I, I experience God's grace at times, like in counseling and, and I'm like, wow, that was amazing, God's grace. Sometimes like in, 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 in sermon prep, like last night, I was sort of like not happy with how this was gonna end today. And, and, and I was just something stirring. Right before I went to bed, I sort of had this thought. And then like I woke up and it was just boom. These three things were like, say this. That was the grace of God, I think, right? Like, uh, so I can point at moments in my life and be like, here's the present work of the spirit of God, like working through his word and pushing and, and, and empowering. But I think there's like a ton of times there's just a ton of times like when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm sad or I'm mourning over the loss of something or I'm just feeling the most average I could feel where God's grace is actually present and working to sustain, to carry me. Like I think there's, there's so many times where God's grace is working in our lives and we just, we sort of miss it. You just sort of miss it. It's like my, my, my buddy um, that, that, that always came to our house at night and he, he'd always sit outside the window while we ate dinner and he's just sitting out there like, and we, and we just, you know, we see him, he's out there, but like that, we just miss God's grace so much in our lives. So the presence of God's grace is the present work of the Holy Spirit to sustain, to fill, to transform, to change, to bless to give us God's favor. And so as we move through this book, it's important that, that you remember the final thing is that all that we're talking about, and we're gonna talk about sin and God's righteousness and his wrath, and we're gonna talk about sexual immorality and homosexuality and all of these topics, many of them sort of hot topics. And for, we're gonna do it for a while. We're gonna talk about this stuff. And, and all these things Paul's saying are under the umbrella of God's grace that unifies sinners saved by this grace and that God has called in his love to belong to him. I, I want you to take that with you through each sermon. And, and it's going to take God's grace for, for us to preach grace-filled expositional sermons. And it's going to take God's grace for you to expositionally receive God, by grace these sermons. So, so, so don't forget that. Notice the presence of God this week in your life. Notice the presence of God's spirit through grace. If you could do anything as you leave here is to try to be aware of the presence of God. Practice the means of grace. And like, even in like, there's big moments and you see this big moment and you're like, man, that was awesome. Like, thank God, like stop and thank him. Be grateful for, for, for God's empowerment there. Okay? And then there's small moments where God's sustaining you. Thank him there also. And when you, you drive by a lake or, or you, you see a sunset, even that awe, that, 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 that thing that enters you and causes you to worship God and see God through nature or through whatever, music, like that's God's grace. It's God's grace to you. You don't worship God without his grace. It's just not your thing. Like God's grace makes us worship him. And so like turn to the Lord and the present work of the spirit in those things. Notice God's grace 
pursue God's grace in your life. Learn a gratitude and let grace fuel your life. Really fuel your life this week and see what the Lord would do. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we, um, Lord, we ask for your grace this morning. We ask for, um, in, in any way, Lord, as we've um, set under the idea of receiving grace, that we've like lost the fire that Paul had for your saving work, or we have um, not really pursued the means of grace. We just kind of think that you're going to make us mature one day. Um, Lord, we want to humble ourselves today. Your word says that um, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And so, Lord, would you help our posture this morning and this week? Help us to pursue grace. Help us to see it for its manifold beauty, its multifaceted work in our lives. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.